0: Dejanendra. Very warm, warm welcome to this joyful gathering with uh, Nitya Shanti. And uh, on behalf of Young James, your host for this evening, a very, very warm welcome to all of our new friends and a very warm welcome back for all of our fellow friends as well. Thank you all for being here. <laughs> We're going to start the event uh, in the true fashion of Young James, which is to say, the foremost prayer of Jainism, which is the Navokara Mantra or the Navokara Mantra. And to do that, I'd like to invite uh, Sagar to just share the prayer. friend of young James, Shanti. Nidhiya grew up in India and was called to, from a, from a younger age, to take out meditation. And in his quest to continue studying, he, although he completed an MBA and he worked in the corporate world, he calls his corporate karma quite short, he, he left his corporate world and continued his training in meditation in understanding himself and delving deeper. This took him to as he may share in his his, uh, talk, this took him to Thailand, where he became a monk in the Thai Buddhist Theravada tradition and for a number of years lived there under his own teacher uh, in the forest meditating day after day for several years and after that he spent some more time in the forest in Sri Lanka uh, meditating there as well. Today Nitya is an internationally renowned spiritual teacher. You may have heard his talk on TED uh, he travels the world sharing his insights that he has graciously taken in from all walks of life and deeply integrated into his own learnings. And through, as you'll hear, coherence, uh, through understanding the words together completely and really imbibing them, uh, his journey has taken le- gone from leaps and bounds and he's here to share with us those learnings today. So first of all, I would like, to, I'm going to introduce Nydia, but first of all I would like to also appreciate all of you for coming for coming to, uh, this thing is called a joyful gathering with Nitya Shanti. So for those of you that may not know who Nitya is, uh, and for those of you that might have questions about what a joyful gathering is, two questions can arouse so much doubt that maybe I shouldn't come to this. But you all came, uh, you're all here to play out, out, and you're all here, so we really appreciate that. On behalf of uh, Young James, uh, I'd also like to pay thanks to Nitya, uh, for taking the time to appreciate this uh, event with us in order to, what I mean by that is to, to come and share with us uh, without wondering what, what, whether we are uh, Jains and therefore maybe we don't understand Buddhism or maybe we're not open to it. And in the same light, I'd like to also appreciate young Jains Anuja, our president, uh, and the committee for being so open to taking two different, well, views, as it were, some people might call it two different views, Buddhism and Jainism, but appreciating them as one, and being able to point those things out. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, if you could please help me in a very warm welcome for Lidhya Shanti.
1: joy to be here with uh, all of you this evening. I really appreciated the, uh, the lovely prayer that Sadar offered for us. It really warmed my heart. And also the warm welcome by Kavith. Uh, my intention this evening is just to share a few things from the heart, not as a teacher or a guru, just as a friend. The Buddha referred to himself as a Kalyan Mitta. Kalyan means welfare or for your benefit. And Mitta is friend. So a friend who just shares things from the love of their heart. So that's the energy with which I am here today. I always like to start by ringing my beautiful bowl. That makes a harmonious sound. Enjoy the sound of this bowl. I like to say that uh, a part of us has already arrived. And a part of us is always arriving. <laughs> so a part of you has already arrived. And a part of you is still arriving. So the poll is to invite you to be more present. Enjoy the sound. Triple harmony. In Bali they believe if you pursue happiness, you'll never find it. Because whatever you're pursuing, the assumption is I don't have it. So they don't pursue happiness, you keep on running broth. What they say is notice harmony. Focus on harmony. Give your energy to harmonizing. And it's a triple harmony. So what's a triple harmony? It's harmony itself, it's harmony with others and its harmony with life so when we have this triple harmony, we harmonize with self and with others and with life, happiness is automatically present so try something, just put your hands on your heart just take 10 seconds harmonize with self take a few deep breaths just feel connected to yourself Take deep breath. And now harmonize with others. You may have already said hello to them, but again, can't say hello to the people on both sides too. So hello. <laughs> you need to shake a hand <laughs> if nice. you Harmonize with self, harmonize with others, and harmonize with life so to be here yeah, now. Can you be fully present here yeah? now? When I walked in here, I immediately noticed uh, this building, this space we are in. How many different events would have happened here? How many different talks and plays and different kinds of gatherings would have happened here? And there would have been, I'm sure, a lot of laughter, sometimes some tears. Different kinds of emotions, the whole spectrum of human emotions might have happened here. Sometimes distraction. <laughs> sometimes focus. <coughs> sometimes feeling very pleasant, sometimes feeling very unpleasant. All of it would have happened here. And yet, when we enter this room afresh, there's not a trace of any of it. It just is. This room just is. So sometimes you know when we come to talks like this, we wonder, you know, what can I take away from this talk? What can we get to take away? Uh, to take away is again coming from the assumption that something is lacking. Something is missing, that's why you want to take away. So what if we drop that assumption? For today's talk, don't take anything away. What if we put down the burden of the idea that I'm incomplete, that I need to take things away? What if we're just fully present? And just like the space in this room, at the end of all our learnings, at the end of all our life experiences, Sometimes there's really nothing to show for it. There's just this mystery. There's just the silence. Can you get familiar with that silence? To connect with ourselves is to get intimate with ourself, to make friends with ourself. The whole spiritual journey is to really get intimate with our own spirit, with our own life, what's alive in us. It's not so much about belief systems and practices, that's all very helpful. But at the end of the day, you've got to drop all that. If you go to any temple in India, you've got to remove your shoes before you enter. If you stand outside, you'll see a sea of shoes, all kinds of different shoes, some very expensive, some very cheap. But you've got to leave it all behind when they enter the temple. So when you enter the temple, you've got to leave your shoes behind. Even to come here, you had to leave whatever transportation you used, whether you used a car or a bus or the underground. You had to leave it behind in order to come here. You came by different roads. But now you're here. So to be fully present. So as I was uh, listening to Sagar chant, I just felt a warmth in my heart. And it reminded me of one of my early experiences, which really put me onto this path. I was 16 years old, and my mother took me for a meditation course. I didn't even know it was a meditation course, I just kind of went along with her, trusted her. And what they taught us there was to sit comfortably and to be aware of our natural breath. You just feel the breath moving in and the breath moving out. Something that simple and something that difficult. Just for 10 hours a day, sitting there, witnessing the flow of our own breath. They said, the breath is the one thing that's with you from birth to death. It's the one friend that's there. Can you make friends? Can you get familiar with this? One reality that's always with you. And you spent three days doing just that. Now one of the things that really struck me, more than the meditation that was good, it was difficult, but it was good, and more than all the learnings which were excellent, but more than any of that, the one thing that struck me was the presence of the teacher. And this teacher was a big man, very jolly person, and uh, I can only describe him as, to me, the energy was of Santa Claus, <laughs> Santa Claus energy. Very happy, chuckling, glowing, <coughs> bright energy. And I remember him, uh, I think maybe was the second day, I remembered him walking towards the meditation hall. And just seeing him walk, the way the wind was playing with his hair and playing with his clothes, and as he came close to me, he smiled, looked at my direction, and kept walking. And there's something about me that struck me about that person. And I said, he's got something. He's got certainties even I wanted. To. I don't know what it is, but he's got something, and I also want it. So sometimes, there's a part of us that recognizes this very clearly. And that was the moment I recognized it. Many years later, a teacher of mine told me that all of us have invisible spikes coming out of us. Uh, Invisible spikes. Just imagine everyone in this room has got invisible spikes coming out. (laughs) And some of these people, the spikes are so long, the moment they enter the room, everyone goes, ouch, entered. <laughs> what is a spike? A spike is judgment. Wanting people to be a certain way and not be a certain way. Having a very strong opinion on how things should be and shouldn't be. This is called a spike. If you have very strong opinions about how people should be and shouldn't be, it usually starts with how I should be and I shouldn't be. And then you project that outwards. So these are people with very long spikes. Then some people have medium length spikes. <laughs> some people have very short spikes. These people we usually like being with. And uh, if you've ever been in a carpentry class or if you built a new home, sometimes you're running your hand across wood. Seems smooth, but you're running in the direction against the grain. And what happens is what happens? You get a splinter, it's very painful. <laughs> you get the splinter, it's a tiny little thing. Sometimes it makes you wonder how can something so small cause so much pain? It does cause a lot of pain. That little splinter gets under your skin, you can't think of anything else. How do I get the splinter out? So sometimes outwardly people have very few spikes, but rub them the wrong way and the spike comes out. (laughs) So my teacher said there are a few people in this world who actually have no spikes. And the spikes have been replaced with rays of light. What are the ways of light? The light represents two things. It represents clear awareness, and it also represents the warmth of love. Awareness and love are two things what this light represents. So when you're with these people, they rarely see you. There's a greeting in Africa where they say, I see you. And the other person says, I am here. It's fascinating because unless you see me, it's like I'm not even here. There was a in India. I was reading a newspaper. There was a chain of restaurants in India called Coffee Cafe, Cafe Coffee Day. It's become very popular now. And I was reading an article where the owner of this big chain, a big chain, he decided on Christmas Day to go and dress like a waiter in one of his chains. Now he's a multimillionaire, doesn't want to do this, but he said, "I want to see what happens." So he goes. He dresses like an ordinary waiter. And on a day where most people have a holiday, he's working from morning to evening. And he notices what it's like to be a waiter. Especially in India, people have a habit of not even looking at their server. They just order, as if well they're talking to somebody who's not even ordering. In fact, if you made the waiter line up, they probably wouldn't recognize who was the person serving. me. So he went through this experience. And he said, I felt so unseen. I realize what my people go through now. I felt like nobody even saw me. There was a couple of very wealthy ladies. They came. They never looked at me once. And they left without even a tip. And he got in touch with the pain that his staff goes through on a daily basis. Coming on Christmas day, and you want other people on holiday, and no one even looking at you. So sometimes the simplest thing is just to notice people, to see people. And not just to see them as their surface self, but to see the beauty in them, the depth in them, what nobody else is seeing in them. This, this requires us to slow down a bit. If you're racing through life, you would barely even make eye contact with people. But if you learn to slow down, you will start finding a lot of richness in your life. All around you, there is a lot of richness. One of the most beautiful things is just inviting people to share their story. Inviting them to share what have been the important experiences in your life. What led you to where you are now? You might be blown away by the stories, the everyday people, the people you work with. And even the people in your own home, sometimes there's no space for them to share. Their insights in one day, there's just no space. Because we're all so busy. But if you were to just slow down, you'd find there's such a richness there. So I was in Thailand, like I was mentioning, and I remember well, this is actually in Sri Lanka. I was in Sri Lanka at the time, and um, I remember after breakfast I stepped out, and in the monastery we wear a, kind of a skirt. It's called a sarong or a sarong, and we have an upper robe. But inside the monastery, you don't always wear the upper robe; you just wear the vest, and the right shoulder is bare. This is in the ancient Indian tradition. They didn't have shirts and pants. The way to show respect in the ancient Indian tradition, when you went to a holy place or a sacred place, you would bare your right shoulder. It was just a way of showing respect. You would take your shoes out, if you had any, and you would bare your right shoulder. So in monastery, monks would always have You notice, they always leave their right shoulder there. So I stepped out after breakfast, and the morning sun was falling on my skin, and it felt so pleasant. Some of you know the feeling of the morning sun, just the right temperature, falling on my skin. It felt so beautiful. It felt very healing, actually. It felt like I had been embraced. And a thought came to me. The sunlight is feeling so so pleasant, so healing, just right in this moment. What is it like to be like the sun, loving everyone? What is it like to be a healing presence? That when you enter the room, instead of people going, People relax, their eyes start to gleam and shine. What does that take? That whoever you're with, their burdens don't further increase. In fact, they start shedding, shedding, shedding. And I've had the privilege in my life to be with a few such people, some teachers, some friends. They're just sitting with them. I feel like something is unnodding, opening up, opening up opening up, sharing, shedding, opening up. I don't even know. They don't have to say anything in particular. They don't have to do anything in particular. Just being in their presence is like that. This thought occurred to me, what is it like to be like the sun, radiating these wishes to everyone? So I made an affirmation out of this, and I want you to try this with me. So say with me, I am like the sun, like the sun. Loving, everyone. loving everyone. So I began saying this affirmation to myself, I am like the sun, loving everyone. Now, anytime you introduce a new thought, your old thoughts will say, "No, you're not." <laughs> That's what happens. My old thoughts said, "Not really. <laughs> you're, not, you're not that. You're not that caring, or that loving, or that unconditional." But you know what? It persisted. It kept on saying it over and over again. I am like the sun, loving everyone. And every time I said, I said it, I felt expanded. I felt my heart grew warm, and I literally felt like every cell of my body was radiating a beautiful light. And so this inner image began to change. I began to shift from thinking I am a person to a sense of I am this healing presence. I am this loving, warm, loving presence. And my inner sense of myself began to change over the next few days and weeks as I did this practice. Now something remarkable happened. People around me, even though I didn't tell anyone about this, they began coming to me and saying, Nithya, you're like a son in my life. You're like the light in our life. One person drew me a picture of the sun. One person gifted me a small paperweight that was in the shape of a sun. And I was blown away. How, how is this happening? I'm just changing my inner conversation. This is my inward practice. How come the outer world is reflecting this? I began to realise the outer world is actually a perfect reflection of our inner world. So what we think about again and again, it starts to become familiar. And that's what we start to experience in our life. So I want to tell you a story. This uh, little uh, teenager, teenage, teenage boy, goes to spend some time with his grandfather. His grandfather lives up in the mountains. And he go, goes there to spend some time with him. His grandfather has a habit of waking up every morning and spending quiet time with himself. So the grandfather meditates. Which is basically a way of connecting with yourself. So connecting with himself, being present. The grandfather also reads something inspiring every every morning. The grandfather also writes down any thoughts that are coming to him. He journals, he writes down. Writing is a way of crystallizing your own thinking. So the grandfather writes some things down. And the grandfather has a few such healthy practices, being with himself, reflecting, writing, reading. So you know what, the people we are with, like it or not, we start becoming like. So this young boy also says, you know, he also said let me also try. So he also, in his own way, starts to meditate, starts to read, starts to write whatever comes to him. Now he does this for about a month. And then he has a big doubt. So he goes to his grandfather. And his grandfather is just putting some coal into the oven. Uh, of the fireplace, putting some coal in the basket. And he says to his grandfather, Grandfather, I've been meditating like you. I've been reading like you, writing my thoughts like you. But I've noticed something. That inspiration doesn't last for long. <laughs> I do it in the morning. But very soon, it fades away. By afternoon, it's gone. And then I'm back to my usual self. So my question is, what's the point doing it? I mean, every day I do it. in a little it has gone again. So it doesn't seem to really be lasting. I don't really see a lasting change happening. The so grandfather smiled and said, that's a good question. But before I answered it, would you mind taking this basket and getting me some water from the stream nearby? Of course, grandfather. So he takes the basket and goes there. But you know what? It's a basket. So basket is woven. So by the time he gets back, all the water is seeped out. He says, grandfather, this is the wrong thing to get water in. Give me a bucket. I'll get it in a bucket. He said, no, 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 I want you to get in this. You are not fast enough. Walk faster. Run faster next time. What's he saying? Anybody he goes again. Dutifully, fills it up. He comes very fast this time. He says, look, grandfather, it's not working. He says, no. Let me come and see you this time. I, I bet you can do it if you only do it fast enough. And he's very exasperated, but he respects his grandfather. The grandfather one last time but I'm not going to do it again. So he goes, and he fills the basket, and he runs as fast as he possibly can. But by the time he gets there, sure enough, all the water has leaked out. So grandfather, this is a waste of time. And then the grandfather smiles and says, now look at the basket. What do you see? And he notices. In the beginning, because it was full of coal, the basket was all black. But now, it's become completely clean. So the grandfather, this basket is looking completely clean. He said, so it looked like nothing was happening, but something was happening. It looked like whatever you were doing was just spilling out, but something was actually going on. And that is the way with all the practices that we learn So coming for a gathering like this, you sometimes wonder, oh, I come for these things, it feels good while you're here, or oh, that's fine. But when I leave, you know, it's back to the same old thing. And it can appear like that. But if you really question yourself, you find something does change. Some way of thinking, some way of perceiving, some old habit pattern, some old heaviness that you are carrying, it gets shed in the process. We don't even know how it happens. So like this, never to lose faith and keep on walking on this path of being present and being wholehearted. Wherever you go, are you there to add your spikes like a porcupine? Are you there to uh, you know, <laughs> bite everybody and pinch everybody and hurt everybody? Or are you here to pull out some of their old wounds? Put a balm on that old wound. It doesn't mean you have to be a very special healer or a very special psychotherapist or counselor or anything like that. It just means you have to show up. Really show up. Be present. You know, there's a lovely definition of a friend. And say it with me: A friend is someone yes. who has seen me at my worst yes. and loves me anyway. Yes. Is that more or less right? Yeah. A friend is someone who's seen us at our worst and still loves us. Now, who is that one person? In fact, before I go there, let me tell you this fun story. <laughs> Some of you all know it's This, this uh, teacher had a very beautiful, he was a guru, he had a very beautiful daughter. And he had 10 students. And he said to them, my daughter is coming of age now, I want to decide who she should marry. So I have a test for you. If you you succeed in this test, then you will get the hand of my beautiful daughter. What you have to do for the next week is, you have to go into the neighbouring village and every night steal something and come back. The master, how oh, can we steal something? You've always taught us never to do that. So it doesn't matter. Now I'm telling you, you have to steal. And the one who steals the most expensive things, the best things, at the end of the week, that smart person will have the hand of my daughter. There's only one condition: Nobody should steal. All right. <laughs> so for the next week, they're all at it. Every day they go, and by morning they call a big bunch of stuff. And little by little, they gathering more and more and more things. At the end of the week, the teacher says, okay, show me what you've got. And say, master, I've got so many things. Master, I've got so many things. And they're all showing me. And one student says, Master, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. So you don't have anything? You did not follow my orders? What's wrong with you? So Master, you said nobody should see me. So yes, so? But Master, wherever I went, I was seeing myself. <laughs> so I couldn't follow out your instructions because I was always seeing myself do everything. And the Master smiled and said, well done. You are the one who got to get the, my daughter's <laughs> hand <laughs> in marriage, and then he clapped his hand, and in came all the villagers. They were all smiling. They knew what was going on. <laughs> it was a big setup. They knew that Bablooji had and they knew that if you would come, and they all took their belongings and they went back. Yeah. And the point is, there is a part of us that's always watching ourselves. It doesn't even take effort. You don't even have to be a meditation master for this. It's always watching, it's always there. Now can we become familiar, can we make friends with this part of us? Instead of getting into judgment mode, and critic critic mode, and comparison mode, an idea of how I should be, how I could be, where I could have been, where I should have been, and of course then extending that to others. A friend is someone who's seen you at your worst and loves you anyway. What is it like to me? Because there's no one here who's had such an absolutely perfect life. We've all had ups and downs in our life, we've all done things. Even our own values, we've sometimes lived up to them, sometimes not. That's just the way it goes. But just like the space in this room, a lot of events are happening here, but the space in this room is not affected. There is a part of us that is completely unaffected, by like no matter what drama goes on in our life. And that's the place you want to connect with. The more you connect with that, the more you recognize that, stabilize that, and make that your primary base, as opposed to the surface level drama of your life, the more you find a natural peace, a natural happiness, a natural bliss. So I'll share with you a simple process I came up with, it's called 4 let us try this, let's see what happens. So the first thing I want you to do is, is let your eyes wander in this room and notice the different things you see in the room. Could it be people, could it be things. I know it's a relatively dark room, but you'll still see several things. And notice the objects in this room. And now, also notice the space in this room. There are objects in your experience and there's also space. Now, notice both of these objects and space. And now, try something close your eyes, bring your awareness inside, and notice inner objects, which means things like feelings, memories, thoughts emotions, comfort, discomfort. Notice your inner
2: experience.
1: And just witness it. And now also notice space. there is a certain inner silence, a certain inner space within which all these experiences are arising. Scientists tell us that more than 99% of our body is empty space. So we become aware of inner space. we go from four down to two, four was outer object, outer space, and then inner objects, inner space. And now we just take out the word inner and outer, and they just left with objects in our experience and the space within which these experiences are arising. So now just notice two things, a continuity of objects and a continuity of space.
2: experiences
1: and then there is a space within which these experiences arise and pass away. These two down to one, something is aware of experiences, something is aware of space, so collapse both of these down to simply, something is aware, something is conscious, there is only consciousness. you can all take three slow deep breaths. Second is deeper. And third is extra deep. And if you want to, you rub your hands and nice and warm. You can't really find an answer. If you find an answer, you've got to go behind that also. What's behind that answer? Because we can't really know ourselves. It's not possible to know ourselves. Anything that you can know implies separation. It's like this person went to heaven and knocked on the door. Said, let me in. And the voice came, there's only place for one (laughs) here. There's only place for one here." So then he went back. Many years later, when he was wiser, he knocked the door, the voice came who's there and he was quiet and then the door opened there is no place for two every time there is two, there is separation, there is conflict but when there is only one then there is a sense of connection like when you do namaste, left and right hands come together so imagine going to a movie hall and you are sitting and watching this big screen movie and have you noticed in the movie theatre after a while, we forget we're watching a movie. Does that happen? Yeah. After a while, we forget it's just a movie, we start thinking it's real. So whatever scene is happening, we start having responses as though it's happening to us. So if it's a scary scene, our heartbeat goes up. If it's a sad scene, we start crying. Right. If it's a funny scene, we start laughing. We really have the feeling as though it's happening to us until the person next to us gives a little elbow and says, like, oh, just a movie. Just which lasts for about five seconds. And then again, I've totally lost into the movie again. Totally hypnotized by that movie. So now imagine that screen, that movie screen, that stretch of So we stretch, 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 and take it all around. And we also take it all on top, and also below. And we add to it smell, and we add to it taste, and we add to it feel. And now, you have a movie of life. This is the movie of life. Now, are you hypnotized by this movie of life? Which means, when things happen to you, do you get completely involved, completely absorbed with in that? There's a story of this uh, two, two, these two brothers, and their father died. And they had to now share the property. So they're very amicable, and they very fairly divide all the property in half, you take half, I take half, you take half, I take half, and then they come to a cupboard, and in that cupboard is a small packet, and they open the packet and they find two rings, one is a diamond ring, and one is a silver ring, now the elder brother gets a little greedy, and he says, listen brother, we could easily sell this and split the money, but I think these are not ordinary rings, these are like the." What do you say? A heritage, like the heirloom. This is like, this is coming from our ancestors. And it's not good for us to sell something like this. So it would be better if I take the diamond and you take the silver one. <laughs> so the brother says, alright brother, you can have the diamond. I should be content, content with the silver one. So the elder brother takes the diamond. And in his life, when the ups and downs come, when the ups come, when the good things happen, he gets so excited. He just can't contain it. He's jumping and he just goes crazy with excitement. And when the downs come and the unwanted thing happen, he just can't contain himself. He gets so de- devastated and depressed. He just shuts himself in his room. He doesn't need food. Doesn't want to talk to anybody. Every up and down really affects him. This is the state of the first brother. The second brother looks at the ring and says, I can understand why my father kept that expensive diamond ring. ring. Why did he keep the silver ring? What is so special about the silver ring? He looks at it carefully, and inside it is inscribed in small letters. "Save me, this too. This too shall pass. So every day when he puts it on he reminds himself This too shall pass. So when the good things happen in his life he appreciates it, he welcomes it, he enjoys it but he knows this too shall pass. No matter how great this talk is this too shall pass. And no matter how bored you're getting don't worry (laughs) this too shall pass. I remember a teacher of mine, somebody took him for a Hindi play. He's from South Africa. He went for a Hindi play. He didn't understand a word it. why they you him there. He's getting so bored. But I loved what he said to me. He says, you know, I was initially I was getting very really bored. But then I decided to get interested in my boredom. <laughs> Even for the rest of the play, I was going calm. The day you get interested in your boredom, you will never be bored again. So this too shall pass, we've all heard this before, it's a very powerful lesson. So when we come back to this realization that this too shall pass, everything that arises also passes away. What was I saying just before the story? I was trying to make a point. Everyone is so much in the present moment. Here you go. Do you remember what I was saying just before this? like yep. the movie, exactly, the movie. Thank you for that. So we're talking about the movie screen and how we get completely hypnotized by that. Now in my journey, I realized, of course being present is very powerful, but I realized one way that can really help me pierce this illusion again and again and again and again. And say it with me, this is way a summary of many years of uh, self-reflection. So it's kind of very packed, but let's see how much we can get out of it the with me. The direct experience, the direct experience. of change, of change. As, a as a presence. So let me unpack it for you. All right? So not the intellectual thought of things change, we all know that, we all know intellectually everything changes. But the direct experience of change. So when I first began meditating, I was told everything changes. So when you sit there and you have pain in your body, that'll change, that makes total sense. So next time I sat down, the leg pain back you're changing. You should be changing now. You're supposed to change. (laughs) You're not supposed to remain there. And I kept arguing with it, where are you going to go? You're supposed to change. And I would be totally stressed, it's not changing, you're supposed to change. (laughs) That was an intellectual part of change. That was not the direct experience of change. It's like some people, they hear of karma. Karma is, you know, what you do as you sow, so you should reap. So I had a friend who looked at somebody who he thought had done the wrong thing. He said, Karma will get him. <laughs> but then you don't, if you say Karma will get him, you don't understand Karma. <laughs> because in that moment, you just made some bad Karma. <laughs> in that moment, you just said Karma is going to get him. That's not a very nice day of being. You know? <laughs> wishing somebody else Karma will get him. Well, you're just generating the same kind of karma. So this is intellectual understanding, not true understanding. When you have true understanding, you only have love and compassion. You only have love and compassion for everybody. It's like this a man on the river bank was trying to rescue the scorpions. And every time he rescued the bite, and every time he rescued the bite, and someone said, what are you doing? He says, I'm rescuing the scorpions. Can't you see they're biting you? He said, yes, it's their nature to bite. Then what are you doing? It's my nature to help. The direct experience of change, the direct experience, we need to directly experience it. So on the eye sense door, can you notice change? So I'm just making my focus a little diffuse. I can see slight changes. I can see some people moving a little bit, shifting. There is some change happening on the eye sense door. Of course, if I, I move my hand, there is a change happening. On the eye sense door, things are changing. Now, come to your ear sense door. Can you notice some kind of change? Some sound coming and going? Yes or no? Yeah, you can notice it. So this is a direct experience of change. Things are it, and passing. Right. Now come to the body, come to the physical feelings. Right. So just maybe it'll be easier if you close your eyes. Close your eyes. Notice what you're feeling throughout the body. Notice the flow of breath. and notice the physical sensations and feelings throughout the body and see if you can notice some kind of change change means arising change also means passing away deep (sighs) breath. me, how wonderful. So we got a direct. Did you experience even a little bit? Yes or no? You could experience even a little bit, even the flow of breath. Something is always changing. This is the direct experience of change. Not as a person, but as a presence. As a person is, this is me, Nitya Shanti, watching change. Then we're still a little bit in the movie. Because you're still identifying with this character in the movie. But what if even this character is part of the movie? What if all, all of this is a movie? Then what? So instead of identifying yourself as a person, you identify yourself, to begin with, as a presence. The direct experience of change as a presence. I found this became, for me, like a shortcut, like the shorthand for my practice. It led me to a state of being at ease in a variety of different situations. Whatever would arise, stay with it, get present with it. And directly experience it, closely enough, to understand how it's always changing. Changing, changing, opening, transforming, moving, always. You know, I was in uh, Sri Lanka. I was meditating there in the deep forest. And uh, one day suddenly my teacher said, uh, you have to go to Malaysia. I said, why do I have to go to Malaysia? He said, because we have a month here and he has a problem with his visa, he's come from Malaysia and he has to go back to Malaysia, change his visa to come back to Sri Lanka. And this monk, uh, unfortunately, doesn't speak much English and it would be nice if he can have a companion. So I'm like, alright, if you want me to go, I'll go. So suddenly, out of the blue, I am taken from this deep forest monastery and the next, within 12 hours, I find myself in the busy streets of Kuala Lumpur. And I'm very fascinated because I'm actually, in a way, it's like going from a jungle to an <laughs> urban jungle. <laughs> so when there were trees everywhere, now we have buildings everywhere, everywhere. And I'm very interested in my own mind, and see, like, how does my mind respond to this very big change? I was expecting actually to be a little unsettled by so much of noise and so much of busyness, and every day the routine is changing, and we're traveling, and a lot of things are happening, a lot of uncertainty. But I was surprised to find I was very much at ease. And I began to see the fruits of the practice. The fruit of the practice is, when you make friends with change, then in every situation, you are at ease. Because would you agree that everything changes, except change itself? <laughs> change doesn't change. So now you've found the stability, in an ocean where everything is always changing, where there's no security, everything you hold on to is dissolving in your hands. Every belief system is open to challenge. Change itself doesn't let you down. You found a place to rest. So it's fascinating. Over there in, in my trip in Malaysia, I actually enjoyed the trip. And at the same time, I didn't miss my monastery. And when it was time to leave, I didn't feel I was missing something in Malaysia either. I was very happy to go back to my monastery. So I found I was wherever I went, I was more complete, completely available there. That experience was more full. So I want to come back to the theme I began with, with the idea of being like the sun, loving everyone. What is it like to be a healing presence? What is it like that when you're with someone, that you can be at ease and even they can be at ease? So one is we have to look beyond what we normally see. I want to say it like this. One of my teachers says it beautifully. She says that no two people have ever met. This is a beautiful bio in KD. She says, no two people have ever met. So right now, that means I'm not meeting you right now. I'm meeting my thoughts about you. In any case, it's kind of dark, so it's hard to meet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not meeting you, and even you're not meeting me. You're meeting your thoughts about me. Throughout this evening, your thoughts about me have been getting updated. But so if you agree with what I'm saying, you're really liking this. And if you don't agree, you're getting more and more uncomfortable and waiting and looking at your phone and thinking Because everything I'm saying is either matching your belief system or challenging your belief system. Right? So you're not really meeting me right now, you're meeting your thoughts about me right now. So no two people have ever met, I've not even met my brother, or my father, or my mother. I've only met my thoughts about them. And the quality of my thoughts about them determines the quality of the relationship I have. The days I have loving, caring thoughts about my mother, it's a lovely relationship. And the day she pushes my buttons and the old thoughts come out. there, she's going and complain, there she's going to, she's going to control me. And the old thoughts come in the relationship and it immediately gets weakened, because that's the quality of my thoughts. But here's where it gets really interesting. I have not even met myself. When I look in the mirror, I don't really see myself. I see my thoughts about myself. Mark Twain once gave a talk and uh, somebody came at the end and shook his hand and said, Sir, so that was a brilliant talk. And Mark Twain said, which talk? He said, the talk you just gave. He said, I gave three talks. Three talks? I only heard one talk. He said, there was the talk I wanted to give. There was the talk I gave. And there's the talk that I'm now thinking I should have given. <laughs> <laughs> so there is what we think we should do. There is what we do. And then there's the putting book back and say, what I should have done, put it down, put it down. So we're not really meeting ourselves. We're meeting our ideas about ourselves. And the days those ideas are loving, kind, caring, it's a beautiful, harmonious relationship with ourselves. And the days they are judging, fault-finding. The inner critic or the inner coach, what's more alive in you? Inner critic is always fault-finding. And talking to yourself in such a way that if you spoke to your best friend that way, your best friend would also be disturbed. That's the inner critic. And the inner coach, so what I learned is the inner critic, the voice of the inner critic is anger and fear. And the voice of the inner coach is request and love. So, can we be our own coaches? So, no two people have ever met. We only met our thoughts about each other. So, what is it like to meet myself without believing my thoughts? Like what we just did a little while back. Four, two, one, zero. Stepping back, 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 coming to a certain unity. What is it like to meet yourself without believing your thoughts? It's called meditation an intimate meeting with yourself. And you can't, I was saying earlier, you can't know yourself, you can only be yourself. Because it's too, it's too close. That requires a duality. Who you are is too close. You can know a lot of things in life, you can't know yourself. You can only dive into that mystery. It's like the ocean. In the beginning you dip your toes, then you dip your ankle, then you swim a little bit, then you dive, then you go deep dive, and one day, you never come back. You go from being an unhappy somebody, to being a happy nobody. (laughs) So, uh, no two people I've ever met, when I meet myself without believing my thoughts, that's called meditation. When I meet others without believing my thoughts about them, that's called love. So the people who I, you know, remember that teacher I talked about? The reason I liked him so much was, he was seeing me without believing his thoughts about me. One day I went up to him, it was in the three-day meditation course I went for, and I said to him, teacher, every time I sit to meditate, my head really gets tight. It gets really heavy and tight. I'm wondering, am I doing something wrong? Every time I meditate, there's tightness in my head. I was focusing too hard. And he smiled and said, really? You're having a tightness in your head? I said, yes. He said, how old are you? I said, I'm 16 years old. He smiled and said, that's a very advanced state. <laughs> and right away, all my burdens vanished. I was thinking I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing wrong? And he smiled and said, that's a very advanced date. How old are you? I'm 16. I felt so good in that moment. I'm already 16. I'm already getting my... little <laughs> <laughs> bit You see how smart he was, how wise he was. He didn't let me create a problem. He didn't let me make it into a problem. He saw that also as a case. He made everything into a possibility. He saw in me what I also didn't see in myself. That's what a teacher does, that's what a friend does. Is seeing in you something which can you refuse to see in yourself. So to meet yourself without believing your thoughts and stories is meditation. To meet others without believing your thoughts and stories, or even their thoughts and stories. You can listen to them. You can come to me and tell me all your life problems. I'll listen. I won't believe a word that you're saying. Because I know right now you're sitting in front of me. <laughs> Everything you're telling me is a movie story. is a story. And you really seem to be really believing it, because you're crying you're laughing all this is going on. It's a story that you're telling. And I bet if I ask your mother or your brother or your father, they'll have a slightly different story <laughs> Then, which is the real story. And even if I meet you a year from now or ten years from now, your own story will change. Do you know that scientists found every time you access a memory, it changes a little bit. It's not like a storage device that we have, like a CD or a USB stick. It's not like that. Our memory is malleable. Every time you access a memory, it changes a bit. That's really interesting information. It means you can change your past. They're told you can't change your past. You can, because your past is nothing but a thought. And if it's hurting you, let me assure you, it's a false memory. Any thought about your past that's hurting you, it's a false memory. Why is it false? It's only one perspective. It's not a full perspective. If you saw it from the full perspective, you would be in bliss. You'd realize how everything happened exactly the way it should leading you to where you are right now. There is not a single atom in this universe that's in the wrong place. Only your imagination thinks it is. So to meet oneself without one stories meditation, to meet the other without believing stories, this is love. The fullness of love. Right? To really feel that, to feel that deep connection. To have the sense, you know, the more you start waking up the more the only thing you want to do is to help other people wake up. But not like shaking them to wake up. Just by noticing them, looking past their story and saying, no you're not that. No you're not what you think, what you're telling me you are. I don't believe, it. I don't fall for that. And to meet all of life without believing our thoughts and stories. This is called awakening. This is called enlightenment. Remember we talked about three Hithakarna? Harmony with self. What are the other two? Harmony with others, and the last one, harmony with life. So this is the triple harmony. This is the three hitakarna to harmonize with self, to connect with self. And yes, there'll be thoughts, but don't believe all your thoughts. And to connect with others, but yes, there'll be thoughts. Don't believe all those thoughts. That's the cause of every conflict in this world. Is I believe my thoughts, you believe your thoughts. And never can two thoughts completely, perfectly match. There will always be some discrepancy, even in the most harmonious organizations. Somebody was telling me today that gen- in Jainism, the split came because they couldn't decide which day of the week, Is <laughs> the truth, which of the eight days should we start the calendar, <laughs> should we start on this day or that day, and that led to a split in Jainism. I wow, was fascinated. <laughs> There's no end to how we can find, uh, you know, things to disagree on. So the only way to really harmonize is to step behind thoughts. Otherwise there is no hope for this world, there is no hope for any family. Because we all have different perceptions. So to come and connect to something prior to thought, just this place of being, then you find that thoughts start to behave themselves, start to organize themselves. And to meet all of life without believing everything you think. Jilakrishnanurti once said, he told a lady, what is that? She said it's a tree. He said the moment you called it a tree, were well, you noticing know it? And she realized that she wasn't. No, the moment she was calling it a tree, it was actually a dead moment. Because she was, she was super important the past on it. Lao Tzu used to go for a walk, great uh, Chinese sage. Lao Tzu used to go for a walk. And once in a while, the student was allowed to walk with him. And it was an unstated rule that you don't talk when you walk with Lao Tzu. So one day they were coming on top of a mountain. And the student couldn't help himself, he said, what a beautiful sunset. And they They kept walking. And when they came back to the hermitage, a message came to the student, you can never walk with the teacher again. He said, why, what did I do? So the teacher said that the moment you were saying, what a beautiful sunset, you were not looking at the sunset.
3: I was recently in Bhutan with some friends, and our bus stopped
1: to take a little toilet break. And we got out of the bus. It was a spectacular scene the amazing mountain range. And we all got out, and you know what we do All the cameras come out, click, 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 click. And there they come, and they come. From. It's five minutes photographing, photograph. and then we go to the restaurant to eat something, break. And then I noticed, hey, totally wait a minute—we never even saw the mountains. <laughs> we were so busy photographing, we missed looking at the mountains. Come back, come back, come back. So we all came back, and then we sat there for a few minutes and just saw the mountains without trying to capture that moment. Being one with that moment. And then those mountains became a part of us. I recently met, I was in the Himalayas, and I met a naga. these are the, the fearly papas who live in and This man had lived in the glaciers, he walked bare feet in the glaciers. Amazing, what do you think is not possible? He lived alone for 20 years or so, in 12 years, in, the, in a mountain didn't come out from there, just spent time. Well, so very, very good practitioner. And somebody said, he spoke to us very beautifully. And one lady said, can I take a photograph? So he smiled and said, no. So she said, why not? He said, I want you to remember me here, not there. Because that you forget after a while. But I want you to be fully present, Photograph from here, not with your device. <laughs> <a> very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here are some of the things I want to share this evening about how we can make our life a little bit more bright by I am the sun, loving everyone, being a healing presence, wherever you go, are you stacking up the burdens on others or are you releasing the burdens? Pull back those spikes, replace them with bright light, with the warmth of love, with the warmth of awareness. Wake up, not from the dream, but within the dream. If you wake up from the dream, you will imagine other dream. It's not about going anywhere. You know a part of us has already arrived, a part of us is always arriving, can you arrive, wherever you go there you are and uh, let me see if anything else is coming, the space in this room,
3: if you can have a lot of different discussions a lot of things
1: here, it all comes back to that silence. So instead of looking for the best teachings and the best teachers and the best experiences, what is it like to just make friends with the space, the silence that is always right in the center of every experience? And as we get intimate with that, all the other hang-ups and restlessness and anxieties starts to vanish. The very thing you're trying to run away from, this emptiness, proves to be the most full experience. The very thing you were trying to get away from Turned out to be a weird feature. Let's take a minute of (coughs) silence. Take breaths. And say me, how wonderful. And take that mantra with you. I use it all the time. No matter what happens, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> and that really changes the perspective. Right. Right. So keep that mantra. And I like to only give you three mantras. I'm going to give you three mantras. First one, you've already learned how wonderful. Second one, whenever the movie of your life is not going the way you want, you start complaining and fortifying. We use one powerful mantra. Say with me, cancel. 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 Say with me, and loudly. So, now from now on, whenever you find yourself fault finding or pain, what do you say? Cancel. And you cancel your own virus thinking. Because nothing can trouble you but your own imagination. That same situation, from another perspective, you know, being struck in a traffic jam, no fun. But for someone who's never been in a car, it's like an amazing experience. <laughs> Your flight is delayed, no fun. For someone who's going for the first time, they're so happy I get to spend more time on the airport. <laughs> you see, it's all a matter of perspective. You know? I met a lady from Salt Lake City. She, went to a, she was in an African country. She went to exchange her traveler's checks. And she was standing outside the bank. And she was like surprised. How can you stand outside the bank? This is like a line outside the bank. And next to her is another man. He also speaks English. He's come walking three days to come to this bank. So she tells this man, you know, it's very strange. You have to stand outside. He says, where are you from? I'm from America. In, in America, we stand inside the bank. <laughs> and he's like, is that a good thing? <laughs> he just walked three days to come here. He's only arrived at the bank. <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> he do not even know that. So cancel, cancel, cancel. Never complain about your life. Someone somewhere dreams of a life just like yours. So use the powerful mantra, cancel. And the third powerful mantra, say with me, rule number six. Rule number six is very simple. Say with me, don't take life so seriously. Is that a good mantra? And then people always say, Nithya, that was a great mantra. I totally forgot. I was taking life so seriously. Thank you for reminding me. What are the other mantras, by the way? Rule number one, give us one to five also. I'm sorry, there are no other rules. (laughs) Then why is it called rule number six? Don't take life so (laughs) seriously. So keep these three mantras in your pocket. How wonderful. Second one is? Cancel okay, so the third is rule number six. And this way you'll start to cut through the movie, the direct experience of change as a presence. And you start to realize the beauty of life. Everything is just the way it should be. Everything falls in place. How wonderful. Do we have time for questions? Alright, we're done. I'm gonna ring my bell. Enjoy the sound of my bow. First, important
3: is it to be talking to yourself yes. or talking to Very nice. This is a good question. He, I think he said, I talked
1: about meditation and love. What is more important, to connect with oneself or to connect with others? And it's one of those things which uh, you can't really say this or that because you're know, assuming that me and others are separate. And Just it's like you're asking, entering this room, is it better to enter this door or this door? It doesn't really matter, the point is enter the room. So some of us in our life experience, like for example with love, I noticed something really remarkable. There have been many times in my life that I have been loved. I have been accepted, appreciated, rarely, very really seen. And there have been times in my life I have been in a state of love. And I found the second one that is far more powerful. Because no matter how much you love me, if my thought is, yeah, but I'm not that <laughs> Yeah, but I don't deserve it. You see, it doesn't cut through. The whole the sun can be shining big time. You can have a umbrella on, you can have a glass you can put it down. And the sun cannot penetrate. The sun is covering the whole earth, but for us, it's cut off. So actually, it's not even two different things. We talk about it as this and that, but actually it's one. When you come to that direct experience, for me, when I began teaching, these three things came to me. Please say with me, deep listening, deep love, deep silence. And I noticed there are actually not three types of things. In order to deeply listen, would you agree, you have to be inwardly quiet to really receive what the other person is saying. And you also have to have a sense of goodwill.
3: So right there, you
1: have deep love and deep silence. In order to deeply love, is it not important to recognize the other person's reality, to really tune into them? That's deep listening. And not to quickly want to change them, fix them, improve them. You just need them the way they are. It's deep silence. And when we understand deep silence, automatically all of existence is telling us Everything is teaching us. And there's a sense of oneness and connection with everything. So I would say everything, it all goes together. You know, just bring it all and at a different time in your practice, it's like life itself. There'll be times when you feel more extroverted, you feel like meeting a lot of people, connecting with people, serving people. And there'll be times you'll be introverted. So you, know, you, need to break, you need to step back. And that's normal. We all breathe in and we breathe out. It's normal for us to breathe in and breathe out. There are times of wanting to give and connect. There's a lucky short key chain. Say with me, when strong, serve. When, so, when weak, we. surrender. surrender. So when you're not feeling so strong, get quiet and just let the universal energy recharge you. it's get quiet, you'll be replenished. And when you're feeling really strong, then go out there and give what you have. And like this, it'll always be like this. In and out, giving in, taking in.
0: train to not get caught up with other people's spikes against or you know, ah.
3: you're in an office and people get caught in their drama and they're trying to drag you into it. Great. So aside from your three mentors, how do you keep, okay, how do, how do keep out of other people's dramas? you are asking how do how does one keep out of other people's
1: dramas when they're trying to, you know, when they're that's why it's operational. So one important thing for me was shifting my whole way of looking at this, which is that suppose I see all of you you are not just random people coming into my life. You are all God in terrible disguise. You are all Buddhas in terrible disguise. Suppose like, I start thinking like that. Like I said, whatever you think long enough starts to appear reality. So there are no accidents. Everything that's happening is happening for a reason. And if something you're doing is bugging me, it's not just you. It's also something I'm also contributing to I thought it was very chill. So, if someone says or does something that bugs me, irritates me, I go back and I look, what am I believing about this person or about the situation? And, now imagine you come to London for the first time and someone has given you a map. Unfortunately, this map is 30 years old. So you keep finding that every move, there's more road over here, supposed to be a park, there's more park, there's a building over here. <laughs> and you get <laughs> What's happening, what's wrong with London? And someone nothing wrong with London, look at your map, your map is 30 years old. And they give you an updated map. And suddenly your whole experience of London 4 up to over level. It was never the situation, it was our beliefs about the situation. So what's happened with me is over time I realized that when people are bugging me, that's actually a gift. It's helping me update, update my software, my understanding of human nature, my understanding of myself and others and life. The live Lama shared recently, I a documentary, and he shared about a nun who had been in the prison. In Tibet, now occupied by China. And she was there for twenty years. And she would be relieved if she escaped, whatever. She came to the and she lived with the teacher, she lived with the Lai Lama. And the Lai Lama only asked her, What was the greatest challenge you faced in your time there? Twenty years she was in this prison. And she said, Yes, there were a few times I faced extreme danger. And the Lai Lama was thinking extreme danger. She wants to be tortured. She wants to be revered. And she said a few times, I almost lost compassion for my daddies. So her biggest danger was not what they did to her. Her biggest danger was, I almost lost compassion a few times. I faced deadly danger. I almost lost compassion for my daddies. Now when you have this way of thinking, there is no question of how do I deal with people or anything like that. No, everyone is going to wake me up. Everyone is here, some come in a very kind, soft way, and some come in a very hard way, but they're all here to wake me up. I found this is the biggest thing. If you start thinking like this, everything falls in place. I met a lady, I was hyper, and this lady came to me. She said, Nitya, something terrible has happened in my family. She said, my, my son and I had a fight, and I don't know how, from my mouth it came out. I'm sorry I didn't to you. And the son said, really? You're sorry you gave birth to me? You're not sorry yet? I'm going to make you sorry now. And the relationship got so bad so quickly. Imagine if your mother tells me that, I'm sorry I gave birth to you. It really hurts. So the relationship with the son was beyond obnoxious, terrible relationship. And she comes to me crying and socializing And I say to her, listen, whatever has happened, that's the past. Now right now, you, I'm sort of focusing on the past, on the past, the past. Focus on how you want the relationship. So I want you to spend five minutes every day, in your mind you think of how good the relationship is and the warmth between you and your son. And I want you to imagine an ideal family if I do it for five minutes every day, really fierce. And she writes you leave her to me a week or two later, Mithi, I cannot describe to you the big change in my family. Everything has changed. Why? Because her thinking changed. And this today she invites to me to her home I go to Hyderabad, I usually stay at house. And it's a beautiful relationship. Her son's gone to do a PhD, he's doing very really well and the relationship is so much better. So we never, we never really met anybody else. We only met our thoughts about them. When you understand this, you start updating your own you know, software. And then you see that what they're doing for you is actually a gift. You receive the gift, everything changes. They may or may not change. Your way of thinking changes, and then their way of thinking changes. That's the amount Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you yeah good thank you to see Thanks <laughs> for the talk. was
3: great. I've been so distressed in recent months and years about the problems in the world and the increased terrorism. Yeah. Channel 4 News just tonight I was talking about Syria and Aleppo again. How can we cope with, with these terrible things? It really is distressing me. I like mm. care so deeply and can do absolutely nothing about it. Yes, I do. So what
1: you're saying is that every day we're hearing more and more about the kind of challenges that are going on in the world. And just hearing that is so disturbing, so distressing. Right? That's a, you don't need to so what can you do in that situation? Now, you know, first of all, did you enjoy this evening's talk? Yes. Now, I don't know if this will come tomorrow's paper. <laughs> but if I take my stick and throw it on someone's head, I'm quite sure it will come tomorrow's paper. <laughs> so, I met, I was in, uh, in Korea, and I met a Pakistani professor of political science. And he said to me, India, as part of my work, I have to know what's happening in the world. I read eight to ten newspapers every day. From around the world, newspapers come, and he reads eight to ten newspapers every day. And he says, let me tell you something, if you're reading only one newspaper, you completely, you're not getting even a part of the story. Because every paper has its own agenda. So he said to me, if you don't read the papers, you're uninformed. If you do read the paper, you're misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> so now you can decide if you want to be or misinformed. So yes, all that is happening in the world. Uh, my friend Siddhis was telling me nicely the other day that in our body you look, if you zoom in, you would find at a cellular level, there's a lot of violence going on. There is the, uh, the bacteria, there is the viruses, there is the immune system that's constantly protecting our body, right? Somebody coughs, and your immune system got to work protecting yourself from what just happened to you. But know, you're not even aware that. So at one level there's tremendous violence and chaos going on. And yet if you zoom out, at one level you're pretty really peaceful right now. This volume is pretty really peaceful. And then you zoom out again, and so much the conflict going on in our world, this, this region there's war, this region there's refugees, this region there's inequality, and zoom out more, become an astronaut, and you see the very peaceful planet. It's so peaceful, floating in this black, of space. And you zoom out some more, and then there are you know asteroid colliding and you know, massive destruction and there's supernovas happening. And you zoom out some more in the piece of galaxies. Right? So you see it always like this, this and that, this and that, that's how it goes. If you're only looking at one of the equation we haven't understood. So from tremendous turmoil comes also tremendous transformation. You should plant the seed, go home and plant the seed. You'll notice that they of not happen. Fuck, it will break over. And what a tragedy, that seal is broken open, how terrible it is! But look carefully, a new life is being born. Some of you are mothers here, and was it not a pretty painful experience? A pretty difficult experience to give birth? It's one of the most painful experiences we have, human beings can have. Tremendous crisis leading to a new birth. So could it be that the world is pregnant right now? And can we be good midwives? For this world. Can we not get all caught up my also of course terrible, terrible? Of course, they are, very difficult, but keep your mind present. You remain sane, When everybody else is getting stirred up, and the media wants you to, you know, get you more stirred up, and everyone has their own agenda. Because you know what, when you're stirred up, it's very easy to influence you. Fearful people are very easy to influence. That's just the way this world works. Create the servants, and then lead the blind sheep, wherever well. Make them follow you, wherever you want. But suppose you don't fall for that trap. Right? Suppose you remain okay. And so what you realize the biggest contribution you can give to this world is your peace, your own peace. Can you create peace in this much? Can I create peace in this much? Or maybe to the first row, or maybe second row, or I'm of that. And then what happens, each one of you goes out and creates a little bit more peace, right? And that peace and peace and peace and peace all comes together. There's a communion called Swami beyond ananda logging in and he says all we need to change the world is television. You probably not need to television. That's where I tell you my vision. You tell me your vision. And all we need in this world are more fundamentalists. More fundamentalists. People who put the fun to more men. Right? and don't change the world, just soil train the world. You'll never have changed again. So like this, you start challenging your old ways of thinking and you say wherever I go, I can create a culture around me, I can create a climate of deep listening, of deep love, and of deep silence and you can create coherence. Where there is incoherence, you can create coherence. And my understanding is that you are something called TM Transcendental Meditation. It got very popular in recent time. Back to me, it very popular. And in TM they have very interesting research. They have shown that many people come together and meditate. It creates coherence not only there but around it. There's the next element, I think it was Chicago, where they went to the police commissioner and said 5,000 people will be coming to Chicago to meditate over the next month. And we hypothesize that crime will drop by 25%. And the chief began laughing and said, Yeah, you people meditate with the crime will fall. And he told them, The only thing that will make crime fall by 25% in Chicago this summer is two feet of snow. <laughs> they went wet and fell, and sure enough, as, as they, keep, they keep increasing the number of meditators, and sure enough, crime keeps falling, 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 and by the end, almost 24%. Crime, violent crime, actually fell by 24% in that city. And the commissioner himself had to agree "There's something's going on here, I don't know what's going on. And the formula that came up please to me, the square roots of 1%. Now, what this means is any population you take 1% of that population and square root of 1% of that population. And then those people start rising in consciousness, it impacts the entire population. So, what is the population of the mathematician here? How many, what's the population written? million. 65? Mm-hmm. 65 million. So, what's the 1% of 65 million?
3: 650,000.
1: Million. And what is the approximate square root? How many people You can Square root of that? Square root of
2: 600,000?
1: What is it? 800. 800, alright. So if 800 people start rising in consciousness, UK will be transformed. And then from there, Europe will be transformed, the whole world will be transformed. It begins with each one of us. And it's not linear, it's a non-linear thing. What you think is a small thing has a gigantic impact. One will see you so, it doesn't end over there. That seed goes on to a tree that keeps on giving fruits for a long, long, long time. Things I've heard, my teacher said something. That teacher was just walking on that path. It set me on my path. He didn't even say anything. He just smiled at me. He didn't even say anything. And it set me on my path. More than any teachings he gave seeing him walk set me on the path of peace. Can you even imagine where your influence will end? Every step you take has back Everything you do has me. Your very being has an impact. So come to that place of unification. There was a sign in my monastery which said, if you want world peace, learn to make a mind still. When the mind is still, the world is already in.
0: I'll just take a quick uh, 60 seconds. Nidya's work around the world is uh, supported by uh, the Nitya Shanti Foundation. And uh, the Nitya Shanti Foundation works to share these teachings to, person- to personals, to personal groups, to professionals, to um, NGOs and to corporations all around the world. And if you want to find out more about the Nikita Shanti Foundation or even Nitya Shanti, please visit NikthyaShanti.com. And the best place to continue this discussion is uh, on Facebook. Uh, Nikthya very regularly shares at Facebook.com forward slash so me, Facebook.com forward slash spreading happiness. So if you go back and check on your phone or however you access the internet, Facebook.com forward slash spreading happiness for several times a day, several updates on the thoughts that he has and that he shares. I'd like to very quickly invite, we're running out of time, but I'd like to very quickly invite uh, Young James President Anuja to share a few of the upcoming events. So, Anujan. Good evening everyone, Good
3: evening. thank you so much for this talk. It's been wonderful, and um, it was usual hearing you tonight. Um, I'm not gonna take much time, um, so I just wanted to make a brief now. James. Young James is aiming to spread Jane Karma and the ancient wisdom throughout the Western world and trying to make it practical for people to live in their daily lives. Some of the key events that I'd like to highlight um, for you, we've got three events just in the next seven days for you all. So, we've got a Broaching Workshop, which is a festival of introspection and forgiveness, there's trips to the Jane Temple. Um, on Saturday, we've got an exciting treasure hunt, which is a scavenger hunt across central London on Sunday. And next Thursday, we've got uh, another event focusing on what the James believe and looking at some of the common beliefs and misbeliefs about Jameson. We've got a whole host of other events available for you this autumn and later, so I urge you all, as you leave, to come and talk to the committee members at the exit uh, where you first came in and pick up an event flyer with more information um, and especially
0: looking at some of our other workshops and um, during promotion, the Festival of Forgiveness, in, coming up next month um, and I wish you all a very good evening. So would you agree that was fantastic from Mikya? Let's yeah. yeah. just, once more please show your round appreciation for it. Many of you, uh, I assume, might want to meet Nitya or ask him some questions. Nitya will be at the entrance just because we have to clear this venue. So if I ask Nitya first to just make your way out so that, that there's no rush here. And uh, again, everybody, thank you for attending, thank you for playing for that, thank you for your participation here. And. Uh,